Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the second bonus episode of Break Bias. First, I talked with the founder of Raw League Racing, Robbie Watkins, but for this episode, I had the pleasure of talking with TSN's F1 and IndyCar racing analyst, Tim Haraney. Tim was a Canadian racing driver himself and has been working in the sport in Canada for quite a few years now. And with the return of the Canadian Grand Prix just around the corner, there was no better guest to have on the show. So I won't keep you all waiting. Let's go to Tim. All right. I'm here with TSN's Formula One and IndyCar racing analyst, host of the TSN Racing Pod and former racing driver, Tim Haraney. How are you doing, Tim? Hey, Brad. Thanks very much for having me on. This is great. Uh, yeah, do, doing well. The sun's out. It's uh, beautiful weather outside. And, uh, you know, you can never complain uh, when you're uh, when you're in Ontario and you get nice weather, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's certainly beautiful where I am as well. Um, and, you know, there's a lot I want to get into with you ahead uh, of the Canadian Grand Prix, of course. Um, second leg of a doubleheader uh, for the F1 drivers and teams. Um, so I guess... That we just had Azerbaijan. What did you think of the race? Yeah, I thought that, you know, the race was decent. I mean, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't great. I mean, usually Baku throws up all of these really uh, great races. You know, we get a lot of uh, chaos and um, different finishers and like our podium never, uh, you know, the podium usually uh, looks a little different than what it did on, on the weekend. But um, you know, I thought uh, for, for the most part, it was, it was, it was good. Um, I mean, obviously you watched it, so, you know, the Ferrari storyline and everything going on there with them. I mean, and that's definitely, that's definitely a bit of a shocker in terms of their like reliability issues. Right. I mean, like Ferrari, the past few races has been really struggling in, in that department. And now, you know, Charles Leclerc is probably going to have to take a, uh, a new PU, and then on top of that, they're probably going to have to end up using an old turbo and he's already had three turbos anyways. So if they strap a new one onto him, gets a 10 place grid penalty. So I think, uh, you know, for him coming into Canada, he's going to have this Frankenstein sort of engine, you know, put together for, for Canada. And, and that's a power track, right? And, and that's the, that's the thing with coming to Canada. You want to make sure that that power unit is, is running properly and, you know, you're not having to put old bits onto new bits and seeing what happens. Right. So, I mean, yeah. it's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah. I, I would be lying. I, I would say I was definitely, um, I was definitely a bit let down by the Azerbaijan race because of the Ferraris kind of like out of the fight. <laughs> Cause the, I mean, Ferrari and Red Bull are just so far ahead of everyone right now. And to see both of them, not just Leclerc, but Leclerc and Sainz, and then it was just a Red Bull fight, kind of took away from, I think, the drama that we wanted to see in Azerbaijan. But yeah, you bring up the Ferrari reliability, and I I was actually going to bring this up. I think it's wild to think about, you know, in the first three races of the season, we're all talking about Red Bull's reliability, and is it going to cost them the championship this year? And it seems like that has just completely switched around. Um do you think Ferrari's just throwing away too many points at this? I mean, it's a long season, but I think it's a Red Bull's title to lose at this point. Yeah, no, absolutely. For sure. You can't, uh, you can't sort of have the, the mistakes that Ferrari has had over, you know, Monaco and, and then the reliability issues in Baku. I mean, the thing is, is that 
we saw at the first half of the season, like you had mentioned with Red Bull and, and their problems. And then I think Max Verstappen, I think it was like a 46 point swing where he was, he was back of Charlotte Claire by, I believe it was around 46 points. We managed to turn that around and now he's leading the championship in just a handful of races. And if you think about it, I mean, we're in for a very long season. I believe Canada is round nine, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's round nine. So I think, you know, if if they can find a way to cut into that massive deficit they have in the constructors standings now, they can manage to cut, like make it make it half by the time they get to the summer break. Then, yeah, I think, you know, it's anybody's title you know, at the end of the day, but they got to get there and they got to claw some of these points back. Right. And that's the thing with formula one, anything can happen. They can turn reliability around quite quickly. I mean, not within a week, right? Like obviously we're, we're going to go to Canada now and it's not like you can all of a sudden fix reliability, but it's an easier fix than let's say having a slow car. So if you have a slow car with all the the aerodynamic bits that are on it that takes a long time to turn that around and to make that car fast but reliability can always be fixed quicker so i think at the end of the day it is still a long season to go i'm not writing ferrari off uh, at all just yet i mean it is ferrari right they do have the finances and the budget to uh, get back to where they were at the beginning of the season yeah and on the topic of reliability um that's about the only silver lining from Mercedes season so far this uh, this season. Um, and if Ferrari doesn't get this sorted out quick, I mean, Mercedes is they're kind of there every race and they're 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 actually kind of close now, even though their pace has really been nowhere near. But um, I guess one other thing I wanted to mention Azerbaijan related before uh, so we can move on is uh, just the bouncing that we saw this weekend. And it it kind of got to a new level. Um, obviously there was speculation that Lewis might not be just cause I think of some comments total wolf made that he might not be racing this weekend, which have been a huge disappointment, but he came out and said that he, like he said, like he wouldn't miss it for the world or something like that. Um, but <laughs> okay. That, just, so I was, I was on, okay. So I was on a, uh, zoom call with total wolf following the race. So I do. A zoom oh, call okay. With total wolf. So I do a zoom call with him every Saturday and Sunday during a race weekend. Okay. And at not one point did he say that Lewis wasn't racing. So like I saw some of the articles and I'm like, hold on a second. Like he never, like he didn't say Lewis wasn't going to race. What he said was, is that like the bouncing is just not sustainable. It's like hard on his body, right? It's hard on George's body and not just in terms of muscular, it's skeletal. So he was talking about his spine at that point. And then he said that it's hard to kind of keep that up. And then they had mentioned like, you know, is there going to be, you know, reserved? Are you going to think about keeping reserve drivers? Well, the thing is with Mercedes, they take reserve drivers with them everywhere they go. They always have a reserve driver on hand, whether it's like Nick DeVries or Stoffel Van Dorn. They always have somebody at a race, right? So that's that. Then the thing with the thing with Lewis was he was just mentioning that he was in a lot of pain. He never said that like, he wasn't going to be racing. Like he never said, yeah. I'm not racing. Right. So, I mean, I was, when I saw all that, I was a little shocked. You know, I was a little like, whoa, where's this coming from? He never, that's <laughs> so strange. But, anyways, Lewis was running a, um, 
uh, an experimental component on the car with the rear suspension and George wasn't. And so I think for Lewis, he was kind of taking one for the team at that point, seeing like, yeah, sure. I'll put it on my car and see how, see how it goes and see where we go with it. And it didn't work at all. Actually, it sounded like it made things uh, a lot worse. <laughs> and then obviously factor in um, that the Baku straightaway, a lot of the drivers were asking for Azerbaijan to repave it for next season because it was so rough, so bumpy. And that's kind of, that enhances obviously the, the porpoising or the bouncing, right? If you have like a rough surface and then plus you add on top of that, you're already porpoising. It just makes things that much worse. So you have to factor that into all of it as, as well. So coming to Canada, it's not going to be as bad. I mean, they're still going to have bouncing, I just don't think it will be amplified as much. Uh, but yeah, that being said, you know, this morning, um, 6 a.m., I was notified that, yeah, Lewis had posted that he was going to be in, uh, he's, he's coming this weekend to Canada. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, he's a tough dude. I mean, I've spoken with Lewis, I've known him for years, and it's like, I've never seen the guy ever back down from a challenge. So yeah, he'll, he'll be there. I would have been shocked if he didn't show up, but I was just, I was, I wanted to bring up the speculation, you know, but I'm glad you're able to provide sure. some, some good insight there. I, that's cool. Um, well, I guess that's kind of, well, I guess we're talking about the porpoising. So I, I guess I want to ask you, what do you think of the new cars? Uh, I really like them. They actually look like race cars. I mean, you know, if we go back to like 2000 and oh God, we're going way back now. I mean, if we go back to like uh, 2014, I mean, it, those cars were ugly. There's yeah, no they way were. <laughs> yeah. I put it, right? I mean, they were nasty looking and they were, I, I don't think, I don't think we had nice looking race cars until now. Like it's been a really long time. Uh, I would say my favorite sort of generation of formula one car has to be from 2001 to about 2006. Those were my favorite generation of formula one cars. I thought those cars, they sounded incredible. Uh, they had those big screaming V tens. Uh, you, you stood cause I had to travel around for my own racing. I raced in all the undercards and stuff like that with formula one. Like you could, you got special opportunities to go and do stuff, you know, but I would stand next side to the, to the racetrack. And, you know, when they came through and started breaking and downshifting, I mean, those cars shook the ground like that. You stood there and you, you could feel the ground shaking. There was that much power noise, everything coming out of those race cars. It was incredible. Um, but that being said, looking at these 2022 race cars, I, I like them a lot. I think they look great. Um, I mean, there's not much really to, you know, to complain about. Uh, I think the racing has been excellent. So I think the regulations are, are working the direction that they wanted to go in, in terms of the cars generating downforce from underneath the race car is, it seems to be working, but obviously there are some teams that are, struggling with the porpoising right and then then we've got all of this other news now that you know there's that the, the, there are drivers who are complaining a little more than other drivers are and yep. it's starting to kind of sound like lobbying for the fia to kind of step in and, and sort of do something and george had 
had made mention of like, well, we have the technology, you know, all we have to do is just install it and then it's click of a button. And I believe what he's driving at is uh, active suspension. And the last time we had active mm-hmm. suspension in Formula One was like decades ago and it was banned. And I think like there's a reason why it's banned. I mean, then the driver's not like really having to do that much work with the race car. So I think like whatever, whatever, you know, they need to do with the race cars to get them to stop porpoising. The teams need to do that. That's the team's issues, right? The teams need to fix that. So the porpoising is definitely something that kind of came out of nowhere for all the teams. Nobody saw it coming, but there are other teams that got on it really quickly, right? Like they're like Red Bull, like solved it immediately uh, just because Adrian knew he was a genius. You know, he's worked, he's worked with this stuff before he's worked with um, diffusers. He knows how, how um, downforce being generated from underneath the car like works. And so it, it's going to take some of these teams a little bit longer to kind of solve it and, and work it out. But I, I don't know, I, I'm on the side of just like, Hey, run what you brung, you know? Yeah, I, I was. I definitely wanted your opinion on that because it seems after this kind of extreme weekend of the porpoising that teams and drivers started to get a little bit more vocal about it. So I, I wanted to hear that. So that's I see what your your opinion. <laughs> um, well, I wanna I wanna talk about still season related, I guess, but getting towards the Canadian part of it. I want to ask you about uh, our Canadian drivers, Lance Stroll, Nicholas Latifi. Um, I guess starting with Latifi, it's been a bit of a tough season. I think what we saw in the second half of 2021, I think he was really starting to improve. He was starting to close the gap to George, who we can see now is an incredible driver. And I just feel like what happened in Abu Dhabi a little bit just shook his confidence. Do you think it's kind of a confidence thing this season or? Um, yes, it is a confidence thing this season, but I don't think it stems from what happened in Abu Dhabi. I think you made a good point with uh, the second half of 2021. Uh, There were a lot of races that for one reason or another, you know, Nicholas didn't out qualify by George, but there are instances within that, that Nicholas was actually faster than him. He just, something happened like in um, Netherlands, the Dutch Grand Prix, he was he was on pace to qualify George by like a mile, and I believe there was it was Lewis Hamilton who was in front of him that caught him out, and he touched the dirt and the car he couldn't catch the car because it was in the dirt and it went into the wall, um, but he would have qualified George by a mile at at that that race in particular. I remember that one, and then there were there were several others as well. He just couldn't piece together that final part of the lap that he needed, which is, which, which is what's one of his Achilles heel, right. Is qualifying for Nicholas has never been an easy thing, right? He's a really, really, really good race car driver. He's not the best (laughs) qualifier, you know, and and that happens up and down the grid. I mean, there are drivers who have strengths with qualifying and there are drivers who have strengths with racing and there are drivers who are the total package who have both. If you look at George, I mean, I, he, in my opinion, George Russell is the best qualifier on the grid. That's my opinion. And 
Uh, last year, the year before, he wasn't like, I don't think he was like dynamite in the races. Like he wasn't great, right? Like he usually ended up going backwards. And by backwards, I mean, he went backwards by like, you know, five, oh, yeah. 10 positions. For the performances he had in qualifying, I mean, the race pace wasn't like, the qualifying was sensational. Yeah, yeah his qualifying is incredible. And for Nicholas, you know, the gap, the delta consistently between him and George, if Nicholas was ahead or if George was ahead, usually it was around a 10th to two tenths and that's it. So that's not much uh, mm-hmm. separating either driver. Right. Now you look at George and where he's at and what he's doing. Um, and he rates Nicholas, right? Like George actually rates Nicholas. So I think with this new generation of car uh, it's affecting uh, drivers driving styles and there are a select few that it's actually really affecting. So Nicholas's, you know, driving style, he attacks the corner. He attacks the entry to the corner, Daniel Ricardo's driving style. He attacks the corner. He attacks the entry to the corner. Lewis Hamilton's driving style is sort of similar. He's very late on the brakes. He attacks the corner, attacks the apex, uh, where Sergio Perez is, Charles Leclerc is, is there Lando Norris as well. They break a little earlier. They try to carry, carry min speed to, to the apex. They don't necessarily break as late as possible, chuck the car into the corner and then get back onto it. They actually like, they break way earlier and they try to just get the car settled for them. That generates a little bit of understeer with the car because with these cars, there's so much weight to them. Sometimes you yeah. just can't get that weight to transfer from the rear of the car to the front tires. And that's, you know, that's essentially what, what you want to do when you're racing. You want to try and get as much grip onto the front tires when going into a corner so it'll turn quickly and you can get back on power. The thing for Nicholas is, is this car doesn't have a lot of downforce on it either. So you have a driving style that doesn't fit, and you also have a car that is not confidence inspiring. The thing with Alex is, is he's got a fast set of hands, man. Like Alex Albon is, has incredible car control. He just, he does. Uh, and then people will say, well, what happened in like, whatever it was, 2020. It's like, that car is so geared towards Max Verstappen. It's not even funny. Like get out of here with that stuff, man. So that's where the differences between the two of them are. I think after Baku, if we, check out the lap Delta, you know, Nicholas has closed the gap to Alex, which is a positive thing to see. Um, but this car is not, it's not a great car. And I hate to like bash Williams because I'm, I'm a big fan of theirs and um, yeah, I like what they do and they're great people, but this car is not very good. And there is a lot that needs to be, needs to be done with it. And unfortunately it's kind of like this perfect storm, right. That's kind of like hitting for, for Nicholas. It's like the car is not, the car is not very good. It's not confidence inspiring. He's already had one crash where he doesn't really know how it happened. That throws your confidence off again. And so now every session he goes into, you have to, he's got to build it up. He's got to build up the confidence and keep building on top of that confidence because if he goes out there and tries to put something on the line and crashes the car again. It sets the team back in their development. It sets them back everywhere. So his mindset coming in is a very conservative one, right? It's just building up to everything and that takes time. And yeah, it's just, it just does. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like super, super concerned that, you know, he's going to lose his ride or for this season. Anyways, he's going to lose his ride or, 
uh, he's not going to be able to close the gap to Alex. I really do think he'll be able to compete with Alex. It might just take a few more races. Yeah. And I am completely with you in terms of like, I'm, I love Williams too. And I was really pulling for them to kind of, cause that, they've had a few bad years. I think everyone is aware oh, of that yeah. now. Yeah. Um, considering especially how great they were back in the day. Um, and I was thinking like eighth place might've been like eighth place last year, of course, might've been like a stepping stone or a step in the right direction, I should say. And then I think it's clear that they have the 10th fastest car this year. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate, but anyway, uh, Lance, I wanted to ask you about as well. I thought Lance's 2021 season was actually very underrated. Uh, I think the gap in qualifying to Seb, I think that was the smallest out of any team, um, between like the fastest and the second fastest. Um, but I think since Australia, Vettel has seemed to just like really found a rhythm with that Aston Martin. Um, do you think that Lance maybe is still adapting to these cars as well? Or um, has Vettel just like found his form again? Well, I would say, you know, when they, they brought this Aston Martin beast back car to, to Barcelona, yeah. right. <laughs> or whatever. The like, green bowl. Yeah. The green bowl. There you go. That's what they were calling it. Right? Yeah. I can't remember what Christian order say at Sky Sports the other day. <laughs> can't remember what it was. It was pretty funny. Something like, yeah. uh, Oh, they've got a great car over there or something like that. I can't remember what exactly the words he used, but it was pretty funny. But yes, it does look a little bit like the Red Bull, but that car actually has been in design since like November because you can't make a car like Yeah, that. Red Bull Red Bull dropped the the case against them because they were able to prove that, right? Yeah. Yeah, they have all the they have all the data. And the FIA yeah. has been tracked the FIA has been tracking it. Like they the FIA is now tracking everybody, which is a lots of separate sort of issue but yeah we're on the land (laughs) but yeah no the thing is is that i think you know for for lance in particular uh the i think that the new the the new b-spec car i i think he's gonna get to grips with only because i use monaco as a reference for this in qualifying he had a mistake uh down by the swimming pool section in q1 and he didn't get to move through but the thing is is that if he had have gotten through that was a q3 car and i think he could have put it into q3 i i think this is a car that could he could extract the performance from but he's again this similar sort of things is just he's making mistakes in qualifying right like you've got drivers who are great qualifiers and you've got drivers who are great racers obviously lance is a great racer but the qualifying is still something that needs to start, you know, needs to be worked on more. Right. And it's something that he worked on really hard in the past when he first got into formula one. And I remember like him telling me about that, that that was like one of the key things that he really needed to work on. Uh, still, it's not, not absolutely perfect, but again, you know, it sets you back, right? Like if you don't qualify well, it kind of sort of ruins your whole weekend essentially. Right. Um, if you qualify, okay, you can come away with some good results, but if you qualify really badly, then your whole weekend kind of just goes out the window. So I think for Lance, it's just that got to get back into the car. Good thing that Canada is coming up, get the confidence back. This is a track that he knows very well. He likes being home. He always goes well in Canada and 
I think that's the thing for both of them, in all honesty. It's just getting back home and I think feeling support. I mean, let's be honest here, Brad. Like these guys, they don't get uh, worshipped on uh, social media. They don't get a lot of nice things being said about them. Like everybody wants them out of, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people want them out of Formula One, right? And like yep. there are actually good guys. Like they're, they are good. They're good dudes. I've known them for quite a while, both of them. And yeah, the, it's... It's uh, it's hard to see sometimes, um, but at the same time, you can't change people's opinion, right? I mean, it's just, it is what it is. The only thing that they can do is perform. And I think I think coming to Canada, uh, feeling some home support, that, that could be something that helps turn around both of their seasons. Yeah, no, I think 100%. Of course, you've talked to both of them, so you know them personally a little. I, I obviously don't. But, you know, I've always said it doesn't matter. I want to see Canadians in Formula One and I'm always going to cheer for them. So, yeah. And I think this is Nicholas's first Canadian Grand Prix, isn't it? Yes. So this will be his first. Uh, actually, this is his first ever car race on Canadian soil. So he's never. Really? Yeah. He's never raced in a car race uh, in Canada ever. This will be the first one. So wow. he's done the free practice one sessions he did one with force india and then he or sorry was it? yes force india and then he did another one with williams in 2019 uh i got to go in the garage for that that was cool and um it he, you know he's been on the track so he knows he has an idea but you know he doesn't uh he's never done a race there he's never done a race in, in canada which is crazy right if you think about it i mean yeah i um you know, I did a lot of my racing in North America and I did a little bit in Europe. And, and I, I got to tell you, like leaving to go to Europe and do races is, is difficult. It's hard, man. That's not easy. It, you're so far away from, from home. It's, it's, uh, I mean, eventually you start to get used to it for sure. But at the end of the day, when you kind of come home to a, to like a Canadian race, if you're a Canadian or if you're an American and you come home to an American race, it's just a different type of energy, man. It's just like, it, it just, you feel welcome you feel like you belong there and it just, it, it feels really good. And so I, uh, I think, yeah, I just think for both of these guys coming, coming home to Canada is kind of like maybe something that they need. Are you going to be there showing support? Yeah. So I'll be there with, uh, I'll be there with TSN. I'll be there, um, all weekend. I leave on Tuesday, uh, get in, and we start working Wednesday. We hit the ground. Got got some more content coming out on Monday on on TSN, and um, we'll have content coming out every single day uh, throughout the week. My podcast will be going as well. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited. It'd be nice to get back. You know, it's been uh, it's been a while. I've been I've raced in the Canadian Grand Prix um, four times, and I've covered the event from the media side for well if we get rid of the pandemic six five five seasons this will be my sixth season covering it um on the media side well i'll definitely be looking forward to that that's that's awesome um <laughs> and I, I about the canadian grand prix i i would think it's interesting that um like obviously canadian fans are going to be excited about it but it's from what i've heard like drivers like f1 personalities like not even canadian 
uh, friends that I've made from Europe and Australia, like they all love the Canadian Grand Prix. It's uh, seems to just be a special event, a track that everyone likes. Uh, you've raced in it. What do you think makes it so special? Uh, you know, Montreal like does such a great job of just welcoming everyone. Uh, it's a huge party, man. I mean, well, not if you're racing, it's not a huge party. Actually, you're in <laughs> bed by like nine or 10 PM. So you get your sleep. But, uh, if, if you're not racing, I mean, it's just a huge party, man. They got, they have like streets closed down, uh, just for parties and the atmosphere is just a friendly one. Uh, and then going to the track is just so much fun. Like there's so much energy. The, the, the fans that go are always very knowledgeable about what's, what's going on. Like they actually, they're hardcores and this year's going to be a little different because we're going to have new fans. They're going to be welcoming new fans to the track. So they're going to get a taste for F1 in Canada and Canadian F1 fans. Cause Canadian F1 fans, man, are nuts. <laughs> nuts. And it's awesome. They make the atmosphere, man. They make it what it is. And that's why the drivers just love coming uh, to Canada. And then the track itself is fun. It's so much fun to drive. It's fast. It's challenging. Um, the wall of champions is a huge challenge for all of these drivers. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I would say that that's the biggest thing about, about all of this is just, and where it's located too, right? I mean, it's so unique. I mean, the track is on an Island, like, and you have to take all these things just to get onto the Island. So it's, it's, it's a very unique race for sure. Yeah. And I sometimes forget that it's actually a street circuit. Like, cause I don't know, to me, it never like gives off that vibe, but it certainly is a challenging track with like you mentioned the wall of champions other spots as well where like the walls are right there and not very much runoff um but it's also produced some great races over the years i think 2011 is one that people talk about all lot all the time that was absolutely hectic jensen mm-hmm. button won that i believe yeah, that was a long race too it was a six yeah one of something. the yeah it was like one of the longest ever i think or something <laughs> it's just crazy uh and then 2019 we had some yeah. post-race drama of course uh <laughs> we don't have to break that race down or anything but yeah i'm sure you remember it um but you mentioned the canadian fans i want to get into that um mm. having been involved in the sport for some time now especially in canada um like how much is how much growth have you noticed with uh the sport here in canada oh tons uh, it's massive now. I mean, it's kind of like on the level of like hockey in this country and the NFL. And like, it's like these drivers are now becoming like at home names, right? It's, it's impressive to see. I never thought, I never thought I'd see it get like this. I mean, I've been trying to sort of, you know, I've been, I've been trying to get people interested in formula one since 2013 and doing the media job and all that has been like a huge part of that. Like always just my main goal was always trying to, this is a great sport. I love it. And it's got so many great storylines and I want people to see what I see. And that was always like, a, that's always a huge thing for me. It was just like, I want to, I want people to see just how great the sport is, just how cool it is. And then I think it's going to take off. And then Liberty came in, bought it up. And then I, it kind of didn't feel like I was having to push water uphill so much. It was kind of like Liberty was doing all the right things with social media. And then all of a sudden Drive to Survive came along and then the pandemic hit and then 
more social media. And then it was to all of this perfect storm is just this perfect storm of everything. Well, not saying a pandemic is a perfect storm. I mean, that was horrible. I know like, what you mean. <laughs> yeah. But just like everybody's at home, they don't have anything to do. Right. So they're yeah. watching Netflix and they see drive to thrive. Come on. They start watching it and then they tell their friends and then it just spreads. Right. And it was, it was all of that that just made the sport just blow up. Like every race is sold out for the rest of the season. I've never in my entire life been a part of a racing series and I've been doing this since I was nine years old. I've never seen that where every single race was sold out for a season. It's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And now we're seeing it in the U.S. a little bit, too. We're going to have three races there come next year. Um, and we still don't have the American driver. And I think that is really missing from Formula One right now. Of course, it's such an exclusive sport with only 20 drivers on the grid. But um, I think the... The two that people seem to talk about the most are from IndyCar. I don't know much mm. about IndyCar, but Colton Herta, of course, and mm. uh, Logan Sargent and F2 seem to be the top candidates right now. Um, how, I guess, how do I ask this? Just, do you think there's a chance that they Colton Herta makes the, the transition? I guess I'll ask about him first. Yeah, I think, um, I think there's a chance that we could see uh, Colton heard him maybe at one point make a trip into formula one. He does have some, uh, testing, uh, lined up with McLaren. He's signed to their, uh, driver development program, which is huge. Um, and I think he may get a shot at some free practice one sessions. The problem is he doesn't have the super license points to become a full-time formula one driver. So it's getting him those free practice one sessions that will bump that up that will help him you know get the points that are needed to get into f1 you know where logan Sargent's doing it the other way right he's going through the formula one ladder system uh this is a guy who didn't have uh, a ton of money his career was actually almost over uh a couple times in the past uh three years where it's just like he he may never race again type deal uh, and the Doralton Williams team came along and he's getting some great support from all of them to go and compete in formula two. And he's really showing, um, he's showing up, right? Like there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. I don't think that they would keep investing in him if he's having a, a bad rookie season. He's actually having a really nice rookie season, just coming off, um, his highest place finishing position in formula two. He finished second on Sunday, and for for Logan, I think if he's able to stick around for another season of Formula Two, I, I think he's going to be the first driver in Formula One, like American driver, I think. Uh, I would absolutely love to see that. I, of course, we're not American, but I, I just yeah. want to see North Americans represented, right? It's it would be yeah. it'd be awesome to see. Yeah, I know both Colton and Logan, and they're uh, they're both really great guys. I mean, again, Colton is an incredible generational talent. Uh, the guy has got the fastest set of hands I've ever seen uh, on a racing driver. The car control that he has is incredible. Yeah, I saw. Uh, I, 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 I saw the clip online from like a probably the lat not like the race that just happened but the one before where i think it was a little wet yeah the race almost, Indy. yeah yeah okay so yeah i'm not i don't watch indycar frequently but i did see that uh clip on twitter and i was that oh, was man. impressive you, you gotta watch indycar dude if you're watching Formula <laughs> One, you got, that's the thing with that's the thing with everybody right everyone's getting on the train of the drive to survive or whatever i mean formula yeah. one's awesome indycar is the best uh on track racing in the world it is 
phenomenal. Like just check it out, watch a couple races, get a feel for it. Anybody can win. The field is separated by like five tenths of a second from like first to 19th or whatever it was the other day. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. These guys, these guys are top line, top tier uh, drivers. Yeah. And if, and if you're into F1, there's lots of people or recognizable names. Uh, Marcus Erickson won the Indy mm-hmm. 500. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, of course, Grosjean is there. I think mm-hmm. Kyle Mylot, if you, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. So many. Um, so yeah, I mean, I will have to check that out, but you know, I've taken up a lot of your time already. We didn't even get into your career. Um, but, uh, maybe I'd love to have you back. Maybe I can have you back yeah. sometime and we can talk a little bit about your career as well. That'd be great. Um, so yeah, thanks Tim for all your time. But before you go, I will, I got to hear your predictions for the race. Let's hear your oh, podium. Boy. Let's hear your pole position. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay. Canada. I'm going to go. Carlos Sainz gets pole. Okay. Are gonna roast me. All I ever do is like try and promote Carlos Sainz. I want to see I think it too. He's gonna, he's gonna turn it around, man. I just know. Uh, Carlos Sainz. I think uh, he grabs pole, and then my podium. My po. I don't know. I foresee chaos, so I'm gonna go with Sergio Perez, uh, Lando Norris, Pierre Gasly. All right. I love it. <laughs> Actually, wait, I'm going to change that. Alpine's been really strong. I want to, I'm going to talk about them. Okay. I'm redoing my entire podium. Here we go. This is what I got. I'm going to go uh, Verstappen. No, no, no. Oh God. So okay, okay. Here we go. This is it. This is it right now. Okay. Perez, uh, Alonzo, Gasly. Okay. He threw throw Alonzo in there. They were super fast on the straight this weekend. Oh, yeah, uh, Alpine. Fast. Yeah. Yeah. They were fast. Yeah. Well, all right, Tim. Thank you so much. Uh, that was awesome. Really fun chat. Hey, thanks, Brad. Appreciate you. That's it for the chat with Tim Horaney. Tim, of course, gave his predictions for the Canadian Grand Prix at the end there. And since I didn't do a proper preview like I usually do, I'll give my predictions real quick. On pole position, I believe it will be Max Verstappen. You know, there's a chance of a grid penalty for Leclerc, so I'll just avoid picking him all together, although I think Ferrari could actually do well here. People think of the straights in Canada. Um, those slow-speed chicanes, I think, could be very nice to the Ferrari, but we'll see. It, it, it is a power-hungry circuit, and we just had two DNFs for Ferrari, so it will be quite interesting. But anyway, my podium uh, is going to be Max Verstappen on the top step, winning from pole, and he is going to be joined by... George Russell and Lewis Hamilton. That's right. Double Mercedes podium. I'm calling it. Anyway, that's going to do it for the bonus episode. I'll be back with episode 15 on Monday after the Canadian Grand Prix. Let's go Lance Stroll and Nicholas Latifi. Goodbye.